Hi everyone, you're listening to Mary Read Scripture, a production of the Ephesus School Network. I'm Mary, and today I'll be reading and you'll be hearing from the Book of Romans. Let's begin, as we always will, by hearing Scripture. Today's reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. What advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. Welcome. This week on the podcast, we begin our discussion and observations of Romans chapter 3. I like to remind my listeners at the beginning of each new chapter that the observations I make on this podcast do not represent the entirety of Scripture, nor do they always reflect the dominant ways other scholars or theologians choose to discuss these passages. They are simply observations of the text, observations of the words, and observations of how these words function and how they are defined. For complete representation of what is said in Scripture, one would have to hear the entirety of Scripture in Greek and Hebrew. The original authors of Scripture are the only ones who can represent their own words completely. God willing, we will make our way through all of Scripture on this podcast. In the meantime, I recommend that you view this podcast as you would any other human construction, partial, incomplete, subject to decay, and at the mercy of God. Having said this, let's begin our discussion of Romans chapter 3. So what advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? The first word I would like to discuss is the word translated as advantage in verse 1. This word in Greek is perison, which is a form of the adjective perisos, and is defined as abundant. It is used to mean that which is more, greater, excessive, abundant, or advantageous. Properly, it means all around, in the sense of being beyond what is expected, or when something is more than enough. So do the Jews described here have more than what is expected? Do they have more than enough? Do they have an advantage? They do. As Paul says in verse 2, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. Here I would like to point out that the word translated as committed comes from the Greek word pistis, which is where we also get the word faith. This is definitely a connection one wouldn't hear if we only relied on an English translation. That word in Greek is episteptisan and is a form of the verb pistevo, which is defined as to believe or to entrust. It is used to mean that one believes, has faith in, or one trusts in. In the passive, it is used to mean that one is entrusted with something. Here we can say that the Jews in the text were entrusted with the oracles of God. In scripture, these oracles are the divine sayings, responses, or utterances of God. Oracles can also be used to refer to the entire Old Testament. The Greek word translated as oracles here is logia, and is a form of the noun logion. Logion comes from the word logos, which is defined as a word, statement, or speech. 
We can say then that the Jews, as Paul is speaking here, have more than what is expected. They have the advantage because they were entrusted with the divine words or utterances of God. The word translated as committed in verse 2 isn't the only word in this passage that stems from the word pistis, faith. We see three more related words in verse 3. For what if some did not believe, epistisan, will their unbelief, apistia, make the faithfulness pistine of God without effect? To understand what is being said here, we must remember that the word pistis, faith, as well as these other words, ultimately derive from the word pitho, which is defined as to persuade or to have confidence. Ultimately, God is the source of faith. God is the one who persuades. God is the one who is confident. God is the one who entrusts. And God is the one who is faithful. Therefore, if the Jews in the text refuse to be persuaded by God and do not believe, this has no effect on the fact that God is the source of all of these things. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. It does need to be said that the you mentioned here in the text is not you the listener, but God, as we will see when we explore the scripture passage Paul is referencing. The truth of God is not affected by man, who is defined here as a liar. The Greek word translated as liar is psevstis, which is defined as a liar, deceiver, a person who distorts, misrepresents, or misleads. While God is true, man misleads, distorts, and deceives. I do want to point out that the word translated as words in verse 4 differs between the Greek Septuagint text and the Hebrew Masoretic text. In our Romans text, Paul is quoting from Psalm 50 verse 6 of the Greek Septuagint text. Both Romans and the Greek Septuagint text of Psalm 50 verse 6 use the word logis, which is the plural of logos, a word. God is justified in his words. However, in the Masoretic or Hebrew Old Testament text, this verse appears in Psalm 51 verse 4 and reads, that you may be found just when you speak. The Hebrew word translated as speak is debar. As a brief aside, my listeners should be aware that your typical English translation of the Bible numbers the chapters and Psalms according to the Masoretic Hebrew text, whereas Bibles, such as the Orthodox Study Bible, who base their translations off the Septuagint text, work off of a different numbering system. For most of my listeners, Psalm 50 is Psalm 51 in your English Bible. It is also important to remember that these numbering systems have been imposed on the original Greek and Hebrew texts. Another difference that should be mentioned is that the English translation of the Greek Septuagint text says, May you overcome when you are judged, whereas the English translation of the Masoretic text says, May you be blameless when you judge. This leads one to ask the question, is it God who is judged? The Greek can make it sound like that, and the English translation certainly does. This is a tricky translation because the Greek word translated as judged is in both the passive and middle voice. In the passive voice, God receives the judgment. In the middle voice, 
God both receives and performs the judgment. I don't think God's established character as the judge is necessarily being questioned here. Rather, in both texts, there is a sense of God being found or justified for what he is. God isn't the one who needs to be persuaded. One only has to hear Psalm 50 or 51 to know this. Let's hear Psalm 50 or Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my inequity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then they shall offer bulls on your altar. God isn't the one who needs to be persuaded. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week for a new episode of Mary Read Scripture. Bye!